0: Howdy, I'm not going to uh, welcome you with anything that might designate what, kind of, what time of day it is since I know I have subscribers from all around the world and it doesn't make any sense for me to give any particular kind of greeting. Uh, you know, I'm looking through the standings on Hockey Reference and I'm starting to get into the meat and potatoes of, of where teams are at because we're getting closer to the deadline. And what's interesting to me is that um, I usually do videos on the teams that aren't playing well. It's sort of like you know I'm, I'm doing the the I want to do weekly videos now that's the intention on the playoff race in the West because it's kind of a disaster. You can see a team lose seven or eight in a row and they don't fall out of the race. Uh, a team that's absolutely buried is in the race. You know a good example is when you look at the overall standings in the NHL, uh, number 26 overall is the Chicago Blackhawks. And they're not very far out of the race in in the West. The Anaheim Ducks, they're 25th. The Edmonton Oilers are 24th. The <laughs> Arizona Coyotes are 23rd. The Ca- the Colorado Avalanche are 21st. St. Louis t- 20th. Vancouver 19th. And they occupy that last playoff spot. That's right. Uh, Philadelphia's 19th. They're not in the playoffs. Carolina's 16th. Not in the playoffs. Buffalo's 15th. Not in the playoffs. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the West and whether or not we see multiple teams in the East miss the playoffs who would have made it in the West. Um, but it is it is more interesting to talk about that kind of disastrous race, if you can call it a race right now, in the West um, than to talk about things in the East. Like, you know, I could do a video on Tampa and talk about how great they've been all year. But we know this. Um, and it's it's not something that wasn't expected. Uh, they they probably weren't expected to get this many points, but they were expected to be pretty darn solid, and that's what they are. Uh, and and yet the the interesting stories are, you know, look, the Avs are back to being kind of bad. Um, Arizona can't score, but they might make the playoffs because this this race in the West is so anemic and and horrible, and amazing to watch at the same time so i mean i'm, I'm going through the standings and, and trying to figure out like okay well which team could i do a video on and spoiler alert I, I really am leaning towards colorado because it's been stunning you look at october they were seven three and two november they were eight three and three um and then it falls december four seven and three january three and seven and they're oh and two so far in february so as we get closer to the deadline all of a sudden, the conversation is, well, Colorado's not giving up one of their draft picks at the deadline. That's, that's the headline um, this morning on Sportsnet. So um, the fact that they have to clarify whether or not they're going to keep their draft picks tells you um, how they're how they're doing right now. Uh, Carolina's an interesting one in that they've kind of gone the opposite way. They were 6-5-1 in October, 6-4-3 in November, 4-8-1 in December. And they were eight, three, and one in January and they've been two and one so far in February. So they've gone in the opposite direction. Um and 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 I've mentioned with Minnesota, you get the bad, you get the good Minnesota, they're they're winless in three in February, and that's after January they went eight and four, but in December they were four, eight and one. And to me, the storyline is more interesting when the team's struggling, especially when you're coming up to the trade deadline and you've got a general manager sitting in the hot seat where he has to make a move. It doesn't have to be the move. Like for Colorado, I'll come back to Sackick, for instance. Um, He doesn't have to make a huge adjustment to the team. But you look at Boyle going to Nashville, Boyle going to Colorado, that might have helped. It might have been exactly the kind of player they need right now. Um, Colorado's got a talented team. They've, they've got a very, um, fragile team though. Uh, it seems like there's, there's a fragility. You look at last night, they play against Columbus, 3-3 going into the third. How many shots did they generate in the third period? Five. How many shots does Columbus get? About 80. It felt like they had about 80. And that's, that's a sign of a team that's struggling with their confidence and doesn't believe they can close out the game. Now, the obvious answer to a lot of fans will be, well, just, just fire Badnar, but, you look around the league and you look at places where coaches have been fired, things have not got better. None of these teams right now are looking and going, oh, our standing is so much better because we fired Mike Yo, because we fired Todd McClellan. So when I hear calls for, well, Blaschel should be out in Detroit, there's only one one reason that I think you can do that. <clears throat> I'm going to use Vancouver as the example. So they, when they get rid of Willie Desjardins and they, they bring in Travis Green, it made sense to me in that Travis Green had coached at the Utica level with a lot of these kids. He knew how to get the best out of them. And Travis Green was seen as the coach that was going to help with the rebuild. So you have coaches who are very good at coaching your talented players. And Scotty Bowman was the all-time greatest at it. Bowman never really had to deal with coaching a team that was in the midst of a rebuild and I don't know that it would have worked for him Scotty Bowman only knew one speed full speed ahead everybody's you know we got a win-win-win and that's why his teams won so much yes he coached very talented teams in Montreal and in Detroit and in Pittsburgh and Buffalo in between as well even though with Buffalo the success wasn't at that same level but You know, Bowman never went through that rebuild because I don't know that he had the mentality for it. I don't know that he could have handled the amount of losing that was going on. I I don't know. Uh, There are some coaches that are just seen as better instructors and and better at getting the best out of of its players. Uh, There are guys like, uh, and I think back to Pat Burns as a good example of this, that you know you're going to get short bursts of tremendous overachievement from your roster after they're hired. And then it's going to wear off. The act's going to wear off, and when it does, you're you're going to have to figure something else out. Um, And so I don't see very many coaches like that now. I mean, you guys can let me know if you can think of coaches that are like that. But um, the closest I could come might be John Tortorella, but he's been with Columbus for a while. So that doesn't seem like that's the case with him. Um, and it, it didn't work for him with Vancouver. His, his, his act, his, his attitude, all of it, it didn't work in Vancouver. So uh, maybe that era of hiring a coach, you know, you're probably going to fire a couple, three years down the road is is over. But um, it, it is it is interesting to see how people will point to coaching when a team is struggling. Uh, Randy Carlisle in Anaheim is the one example where I agree. Uh, I think that As soon as you've got players on the bench turning around to say, "Uh, hey, coach, you might want to pull the goalie. Can you you pull the goalie? Please? Because, yeah, he's getting killed out there. Can you switch it out? So that's the one reason why, for me, I I really believe that Carlisle's lost the bench in Anaheim. I I think he has. They are residing at 31st on my power rankings board, and I don't see any scenario where I'm going to bump them up. Before Saturday night, when I do my next power rankings, because they're an absolute unmitigated disaster. They're they're losing games by by you know three or more goals night after night after night. You, you can't do that in the NHL. You just can't. In a league of parity, they're making it look like there's parity, and then there's the Ducks. So that's why the Ducks are a more interesting story than say Tampa, where I can just go, yeah, so they won some games here. They won some games here, and then, well, they lost a couple, but then they won a bunch more after that. So, you know, that's sort of how that worked out for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, Columbus, after the deadline, I can always look at Columbus and whether or not they improved or hurt their chances of winning a round for the first time in their, their franchise history. That would be an interesting idea because we don't know what's going to happen with Panarin and Bobrovsky. But the Panarin and Bobrovsky situations are interesting because of John Tortorella. Because John Tortorella is not a guy to hide his feelings. He is not a guy to lie to to people. And, uh, you know, when he had a problem with Bobrovsky, he came out and said it. And he has been very, very uh, visibly upset behind that bench. I don't blame him. I think some of those losses Columbus has had, I I think they've been uh, just... Just those, those small mistakes that'll, that'll eat you up at the end of the year and definitely in the playoffs. So uh, if Columbus can come out of this on the other side with both Bobrovsky and Panarin and win a couple of rounds, who knows, maybe Artemi Panarin after going to the conference finals would say, you know what, I like being here. And that's why I'm okay with them holding on to them, but it, it is dangerous. Absolutely. The danger of losing those players for nothing, that's, that's tricky. And with Columbus's ask for Panarin apparently being pretty sky high, I don't blame them for that either, because you only get one chance to trade them. I, and I said that about the Ottawa Senators with Carlson. And then you look at what the Senators got back for Carlson; it hasn't been fantastic so far. Although Ottawa seems to be better this year than they were last year. So, but you know, I did plenty of videos about Ottawa when all that stuff was going on, because again, the train wreck is more interesting than just you know traffic movie you know, all the exciting music and it's just lane changing. So what's, what's going on in this movie? Are there crashes? Nah. High speed chases? Nah, it's just cars on a highway. Oh, not even a crash? Nah, nothing. Maybe stuff like blows up. Nah, nah, it's just, just traffic. I, you know, and, and the movie's called Traffic. I really didn't think it was just going to be a movie about two hours of traffic. I mean, this is a case where the movie didn't lie to us, but, uh, you know, It is what it is. But, you know, if it's just endless car crashes, that's something people will watch. That's absolutely something people will watch. And they'll be like, hey, look at this car crash. Sports is a lot like that. And in NASCAR, that's basically exactly what it is. It's people waiting for a crash. Um, I I think Simpsons got that right, 100%. Um, I don't. I I enjoy watching uh, NASCAR and and Formula One and all the racing stuff. Uh, IndyCar, I... Kinda can get, but to me IndyCar looks weird because especially when they're on an oval. And I'm like, those cars are fantastic. Don't stick them on an oval. They need to be on a road course. That's just not right. That's be like putting a cat in a cage. Just don't do that. That's not that's that just doesn't work. It's supposed to be out and enjoying itself. Car can't enjoy itself on an oval. Car's thinking to itself, Why am I turning left? Why can I turn right? What do you mean I can't turn right? I don't care if there's a wall. That's why they hit the wall. Eventually the car just decides it's done. It's done turning left and it wants to go right. It doesn't care what's going to happen. It's tired of turning left. Um, So now every time you see a car hit the wall, you can go, that car decided it wanted to go to the right. But yeah, um, the car crash is always more interesting than, than, than what is not a car crash. So don't be surprised if over the next uh, few weeks, I focus on some car crashes because it is interesting. And I've had people asking me too saying, can you measure, and I'm going to address this in this podcast, can you measure which teams are, are at what point in their, um, their rebuild and which team's going to come out of it first? Well, a, it's really hard to predict that. And B it's really, really hard to predict that nobody expects some of these teams to rebuild as quickly as some of them do, and nobody expects some of these rebuilds to last as long as some of them do. Hello, Edmonton and Buffalo. I hate to pick on Buffalo because, you know, Buffalo's close to the playoffs and they won last night, but this rebuild's gone on longer than I think anybody had anticipated that it would. Um, so it is really hard to measure it, and I'm I'm not sure exactly the formula on coming out of a rebuild. Why didn't the Islanders need a full rebuild after Tavares left? They, Tavares leaves, they bring in some depth guys, and suddenly they're one of the best teams in the league. They currently reside at 8th overall. Nobody expected that. Nope. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of tricky that way. But there you go. Just, just, just yammering about how, how car crashes are more interesting than just watching a movie about traffic. It's just traffic. Just cars, just to driving, just driving. Is it? there is Is this just traffic cam footage? Yeah, yeah. It's tra- two hours of traffic cam footage. I should have known when it said it was presented by the city of Los Angeles that we weren't going to see any crashes. But uh, there we are. Yeah, it's just, just, just. You know, if you watch, you can watch for out-of-state plates, but uh, they had to blur all the plates uh, for the for this film because you know these these cars, these the owners didn't didn't uh, allow to be in the movie. So. Um, You can kind of see the color of the plate, so you can kind of look for out-of-state plates, but, uh, yeah, it's not working very well for me. You can give it a shot, though. All right, Uh, that being said, thank you guys very much for your attention today. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, I'm intending to do some other video goodness today on a Wednesday where I don't have kids hockey, so... I can definitely do other video goodness, and there's only two games today, and they're both on the East Coast, so they're both over early, which means that I can do the review early, and I can do some other stuff too. All right, thank you guys so much for listening, as always. um, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you may consume said podcast, and hey, thank you guys for all your support. I'll talk to you again soon.